if anyone's looking to do a show like mine or, or like anyone's like Steve Cohen's or, or, you know, Dan White was doing it in New York. Um, I think he might be back doing it. Those are the direct inspirations for me doing this show. And the thing that for me was different and much like chamber magic, um, chamber magic isn't called Steve Cohen live, you know, Dan White, it's not Dan White show. It's not, it's, it's the magician at the nomad, you know? And so I was like, if I want to create an experience that can last, that people don't care about me. They don't. They want to see, they want to have an experience that blows them away, regardless of the magician. They could care less. In the real world, they could care less. And so if I take my ego out of that and also take my name out of it, people buy it way more. They're guys. They do magic. They are the magic guys. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 141 of The Magic Guys. I am in a hotel, so I don't have my mug with me, Dan, but Nick's got his representing. Doug, how you doing? I'm good, but I'm drinking plastic. I'm a scrub. I'm over here, though. I'm I'm here for this, Doug. It's been a busy day. (laughs) Down below, we got Plastic Doug. To my left, we got Nick K. Welcome to the show, friends. Yes, yes. All right, we're all here. We're all here to have some fun. I I'm so happy that I found this microphone that uh, I used to send to guests, but I was like, I should get one myself because when I'm not at home, yeah, like like. But Nick's one is a little better. Um, but I'm in a yeah hotel room right now. What are you rocking there? What is that thing? It's just a little road. Uh, it's a road product. USB mini. Yeah. Yeah. And and straight after this, I'm going to be. Uh, catching up with our friend from the podcast, Dominic Miles. Oh, uh, say hi to Dominic. I'll see yeah. him tomorrow. I'm finally in his city, so we're going to catch up. But wonderful. You guys are all here because you know we have a wonderful guest today. Nick, you've actually watched some of his work outside of the social pipes, correct? You guys, I actually, it's super rare that I am starstruck uh, when I meet magic folk. And uh, I think that Kevin was a little taken back himself. I was a bit like, prior to the show he was there and i'm like you're the guy you're the guy that, that did the thing and i love you and he was like you're weird and i'm like sorry and so i <laughs> down ever so slightly because you guys down to today's guest i feel produced one of the best virtual magic shows that i'd ever seen in my life and i was totally enamored by how wonderfully creative and how genius this was and i implore you if you haven't seen it Make sure you do, and I'm sure that Kevin will be kind enough to tell us all about it. So please join me in welcoming mm-hmm. our wonderful guest today, the amazing Kevin Blake. Let's go. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Kevin oh, Blake. Kevin well, got the yeah. new intro tune. I like that too, man. <laughs> I'm here. That was that was incredible. Can I get a recording of that to play yeah. before it my? Should be on the uh, internet for posterity or something. Abs- absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Kevin, how are you today? Where are you? And uh, what's happening in your life? Oh wow, that's a that's a All series of deep and long questions, <laughs> and I'll take the next fifteen minutes to answer them if that's okay. Yeah. Maybe start um, with who the hell are you? And tell us who yeah. the hell you are. Yeah, my name's Kevin Blake. I'm a magician, mentalist, mind reader, extraordinaire, self-proclaimed. And um, 
I've said that before many times in the intro to my virtual event. That's why it comes out so easily. Uh, I, uh, I am in San Francisco, California. And what's going on? I'm kind of tired, but excited to be here. I'm tired because I have a newborn at home. I got a five-week-old in the other room. My, uh, my wife and mother are hanging out with him right now. Um, and yeah, I'm a, I'm a magician. I'm doing shows. I'm you know doing gigs just like all you guys. Well, I wouldn't say like the rest of us because the the, the right, caliber of show that you produced. I think I'm yeah. taller. What is a gig for you? Like, you know, just like us, but you're a mind reader, special mentalist, super extraordinaire. Exactly. But what's, what's the gig? You work yeah. in the, the Sunday brunch at Denny's? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not even kick me out. I, uh, I kept uh, trying to sneak grand slams out the back door. Um, <laughs> I'm, there, I'm here for the shift meal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I do. Uh, I, uh, as Nick mentioned, I, I did a, a virtual show, um, and I didn't do many public virtual shows, but I did a, a one show for Vanishing Inc. Uh, their Showtime series that they did uh, back during the pandemic. They were kind of highlighting virtual events during that time, and uh, the virtual event was a huge success. Um, now it's funny when Nick mentioned he saw it because I didn't think that anyone saw it, and I haven't met anyone who saw it apart from you know like my family who were there. Uh, and uh, a few magicians who showed up that I knew, but um, but yeah, I uh, I did a lot of virtual events during the pandemic. Uh, the project I'm working on right now, and I've been doing for the past couple of years, is I do a live show here in San Francisco, Wednesday through Saturday. It's called The Illusionist, the Palace Theater. It's a two act, um, forty five minute act, uh, forty five minute act, uh, one man magic and mentalism show in a beautiful wow. cabaret theater. Yum yum! Wow. Yeah, I'm ninety I'm minutes, huh? Yeah. yeah. How, how many how many people does that hold? In 120. Theater? 120 people. That's baby. Uh, That's like wow. five nights a week? No, no, no. Four three four nights a week. Four yeah. nights. Wednesday, Wednesday through Saturday. Yeah. Occasionally we'll do a Sunday matinee, but uh mostly just Wednesday through Saturday. And and how does that come about where like how do you find such a beautiful theater? If if you guys haven't looked it up, have a look yeah. at the Palace Theater in san francisco just google it it looks amazing i'm doing that now yeah you can just sanfranciscomagicshow.com is the best way to find there we go but uh, it took me a long time to get that domain i'll tell you uh (laughs) but i eventually got it um to the chagrin of many of my san francisco magician friends um but uh yeah anyway so that 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 theater, which is the same theater I did the virtual event from during the time during the pandemic that the, the venue was closed i had made a um I had made a, a good friendship with the guys who run the space and they were like, you know, a week into the pandemic, they were like, hey, Kevin, you could use the space if you want to rehearse or whatever. Like, I'm pretty sure your shows are going to come back in a few weeks. And I was like, okay. So then I just started doing virtual events from there. Yeah. So, so just going off that virtual show that you did, for those who haven't seen it, like I implore you, if, you, if you're looking to see a show from the comfort of your home that is better than any show you would see you know sitting in seats you may be to the exclusion of obviously the theater of magic there in brisbane that just opened up last week um it was it was this remarkable show in which you do each act in a separate room of the theater so it's like a wonderful tour through this theater that was kind of great because you have this opportunity to not only see this truly truly amazing magic but experience this beautiful theater from the comfort of your own home and i was so curious how you were able to achieve that because it, like was was there cables running right through this theater? Like, did you have separate cameras in each one, or yeah. did you just? I mean, it was primitively running off a wireless. Tell so, us. So, I mean, the show started with just one camera, you know, on the stage. And I was just sitting on the stage with the, the curtains behind me and just doing that from there with this, with you know, the the actual theater lights on me. 
And then I thought it'd be so cool because the venue that I, I perform in is so cool. It's got all these different rooms and, uh, and yeah, the shots on the screen are the website. Uh, they're mostly just the stage of my live show, but I started there doing the show just on that stage. But the room, the room, the rooms of the venue, it has a two bars. It has a casino room, uh, you know, with like a, with like some craps tables and stuff like that. It, it, the entrance of it is like this old sort of, um, uh, fake, you know, clock shop. And so I tried to theme some of the magic around those rooms. And then, yeah, uh, you know, seven months into the pandemic, I had stringed Ethernet cable through the ceilings of the entire venue and <laughs> bought five uh, cameras, uh, you know, five Jeez. Sony cameras. And I connected all the powers and it was all running through Ethernet. And I had I, I didn't have any any staff or anyone to do the shows with me. A lot of magicians, I think they were stuck because they needed someone to run their events with them. Was this solo? And, it was all solo. What? I was literally, I'd walk Five in, cameras, different solo. rooms, solo. I had, I had this like, I had this like app that I downloaded off some weird forum for like, you know, for like camera TV presenter people. Yeah. That allowed me to switch it remotely. Yeah. And I had these pre-recorded videos that would basically bring me from room to room. So I'd Im- imagine like me going to grab the camera, and then it would sort of switch imperceptibly, in- imperceptibly, oh, wow. to the pre-recorded video. And then it would just switch over as I walked back into the frame. So, I mean, you would get that it was pre-recorded, probably, but it was it was it was seamless enough, um, and it did allow me to make something that was just way more rich than you know in, in texture than just me here, uh, which is how I do. You know, I don't have the theater anymore because I'm doing the shows in there, uh, and they kicked me out. Um, they said I can't have the entire venue to myself. All day. Those damn wires out of our ceiling. Without paying rent. The wires are still there. They're still. Are they? (laughs) Well, one thing I love that you made mention was that you tried to theme it with the certain rooms within the venue, which is really great because um, uh, Nate Staniforth, who you've worked with in the past, uh, also Mm -hmm. I've done his magic course and I've I've set up a lovely friendship with him myself and I adore his work as well. And I really love this idea of like doing magic that's indigenous to your to your location or using things sure. around you. Could you explain that thought process? Like with regards to the clocks and like, and yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it's really, it's really simple. And I think it goes both ways. The environment can inspire the magic. So, you know, it's just, it's very obvious to do, you know, I just did, I, I would do, um, uh, uh, like a, a, a prediction watch effect, you know, uh, in the, in the, in the clock shop room, which just makes perfect sense in a room filled with clocks uh, and, you know, tell a story about a coincidence, about coincidence. And so just being able to put that, it's just different. And now I do that same act on stage in a different way. Um, but having, you know, being able to create a, a theater around it, it almost made it feel like the venue was built for the virtual show, which is, I think why it seems so outstanding to you is because it just is like this guy build a whole venue for a virtual show you know, there's five rooms and different, everything is built with like a scenic backdrop uh, that is professionally made because it was for mm. a different thing for, you know, for, for a different so uh, cool. experience. But how was, was this, how was it, oh, sorry, go on. I was curious if this show was the seed for the current stage offering you have, or if this kind of. Is it, is it ask the question again. So the show that you're doing currently, this 90 yeah. minute experience, was the virtual yeah. show the seed to this current sure. offering? I'll tell you that um, the best thing that ever happened to me as a performer was being able to get stage time at the desk. 
getting and those reps then, right? Getting in reps in virtual show, uh, it, it is real, real reps and yeah. the mm. easiest reps ever. Yeah, you don't got to travel, right? No travel. You can do 10 a day. And if the reaction is poor because you sucked at that trick, it doesn't matter. You know, the audience was so, uh, you know, they didn't, it, their, their bar was so low that it yeah. was so easy to surpass it, mm. which is what's yeah. so tough, you know, when you want to be a professional, you want to go do big things. If you don't pass the bar, it's so obvious. But getting in reps of easy, uh, of, of stuff like, you know, I, like three or four of the acts that eventually went into my stage show were stuff that I built in virtual and then I just yeah. made bigger in the right. stage. And, and that, that way I started my show and I had already done this act 500 times. Uh, and, mm. you know, even though the show's launching, it also just takes a lot of uh, weight off your shoulders when you know the act is going to be good. Were there any challenges going from like this dynamic environment where you were able to walk from room to room then to go into a static environment where you had just the one stage? Were there any challenges in that? Um, I'll tell you, it, it was just, it, because I didn't get my start in virtual, you know, I had been doing theater shows. It felt a little bit more like going back home than it was, you know, than, than that. I wouldn't say there's a challenge bringing it back, but definitely trying to, uh, make just, there's a, there's a whole challenge of, you know, making an, making a show engaging from start to finish. Um, you know, that, that was easier in virtual because there were so many limitations and the performer has so much power within frame and within, you know, I mean, there's so many limitations, but there's also so much power that you could have with the methods that you could use in those ways that it was so, e you know, every virtual show is like so easy at the end of the day, for me anyway, because um, the methods were just so ironclad, uh, whether it was just slide of hand ones or, or frame mm. ones or whatever misdirection. So when writing these shows, I'm sort of curious because you're doing two sets and I've always wondered like what do you ever, do you ever think about what they're going to experience with regards to taking a short break in between two sets? Do you feel like they come back more refreshed? They come back like yeah. starting is it, is it kind of like starting over again? Do you have ways to combat that? Like, what's you know, your I, uh, yeah, yeah for, so my live show now, which we've been doing for two years, um, is is a two act show. We take a 15 minute intermission and it was definitely interesting to me going from a position of thinking i never want an intermission and i never want to show more than more than 70 minutes to be in a place where i think it's like really great to give an audience a whole evening of entertainment um and it was refreshing to me having 45 minutes basically almost not done anything you know 45 minutes goes over so fast on stage and then having a break and just getting like 15 minutes to just chill out reset put a few different things in different pockets you know um and go back out on stage. It does mean that you have to have two finales uh, and sort of two openers. But um, for me, you know, I just spent enough time thinking about what those acts would be that I, by the time that the show was going, I was, you know, at least a few months in, I was happy with how it set up. I'm, I don't know if that fully answered your question, but. That's Josh. great. I'm, and I have a question. Does yeah. your your uh, rapping abilities appear in your show as well as from Fool yeah, Us? Yeah, so I did a, I did a, um, a Fool Us uh, um, taping and I did a, a card trick rap, which was, uh, was a little bit outside of my comfort zone, but, you know, I was, you know, I, along with literally every other person in America, was like inspired by uh, Hamilton and uh, I was just sitting there with a little beat maker and I just started making rhymes like, you know, eight, eight, seven or eight years ago, seven years ago. 
And so, yes, the answer is yes. I did the rap from the Fool Us act as the closing bit of the first act of my live show during the first season of my live show. Uh, I didn't mention this, but we're in, in sort of season two of, of, of the live show of the Illusionist Palace Theater. And so I changed all the acts except for um, a question and answer act in the middle. Oh, God. You're going to bring this up? We don't. That's you, really? I don't think yeah, I have the sound up here, but look at it. So this is four years yeah. ago, I think. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. I was watching it. So yeah. I didn't turn the sound up. I thought I, I, I'm sorry I interrupted, but no, here no, I am putting the you know, multimedia on the screen for those watching at home. <laughs> they don't, they don't tell you what the backdrop is going to be until you walk oh, out, wow. right? Or they, you would think that they, they don't care. You know, they assume people don't care. But I walk out and I see there's this humongous sort of like, you know chevy that's about to run me over and uh i was just like I, i'm sitting here being like want to be sort of mr classy surprise magician and then, and then the episode title is is pen and teller hit the streets and i'm like the now i'm like the street rapper magician um yeah, yeah. so funny but uh I, nothing i love nothing more than white guys rapping i mean you should meet our friend we have a friend in australia called adam axford who we've had on as a guest yeah He's another wordsmith that loves to actively. Add, I'm thinking uh, you just book rappers. Everyone on here is beatboxing or rapping, and Nick's been in a band, you know. So you talk to any you talk to any white guy, they have a rap in their back pocket that they won't bring it out. If you're oh, under yeah. maybe forty or thirty five, maybe thir- under thirty three, my age, I think everyone's got a rap in their back pocket. You just have to. You've written Absolutely. one. Just like every guy I know has a note in their phone with stand up comedy ideas. Even if they're not funny, even if they are not a comedian or an entertainer, I swear everyone I know has a note in their note in their. I wrote heavy metal songs for the record. I was a headbanger, so just so you know. Well, you know, two weeks they're on. I love. Yeah. It. I think we sh- we're probably going to need to do like a karaoke night at Magic Live at some point, just to get all this musical talent out. I think oh, that'll be hilarious. Yeah, Shin Lim could be the finale on the on the keys. Oh yeah, that guy on keys oh. is dope. That's got to happen. Yeah. So some of the folks here are asking, uh, Gavin, like our good friend John and Tim here, they're asking, like, where did the uh, itch in Magic first start, and how did you get uh, started in Magic? How did the national it anthem of Magic questions. Yeah, no, it's the classic question. Uh, and I got started in Magic um, when I was a kid, like many other people. You know, I just got a Magic set. I, you know, I saw it's at this point. It's such a blur of of inspirations. Um, but what are you now? Twenty two or twenty three? How old yeah, are yeah, you? Twenty one. Um, no, I'm 33. And, you know, the things that I remember are, you know, going to Disneyland and going into the magic shop. Uh, you know, it was like seeing the, the David Blaine street, street magic special on ABC. It was, um, uh, uh, I found these David Copperfield VHS tapes in my house as a kid when we moved in and I watched those, saw him do misled. Uh, and I was just like, what? Um, and and so I think, you know, all those types of things and then finding a deck of cards and just finding it interesting to, to learn how to fool your classmates, really. Um, the story when, you, wait, the talk about this around. Copperfield VHS. What is that? Like a, something someone purchased for their home or they recorded the shows? Someone had recorded the shows on yeah. like their own VHS tapes that they had, right. they had taped over. 
it was the person who lived in the house before my parents moved in. They had left him in the in the cabinet, you know, in the in the sort of living room area. That was former you in another time, making sure your destiny was well laid. Right. right. There's some. Yeah. There's definitely some tra- time travel involved. Um, or maybe that woman was related to me. And Just nice to know I wasn't the only one recording them because I did. I would take the videos to uh, school where we had. I was an editor and I'd watch them frame by frame. Yeah, exactly. Can you imagine yeah. not having the ability to do that? I mean, I remember the first like. You know, I, I was like 12 or something when Illusionist started to come out, and I would watch those trailers frame by frame. Yep. I mean, that's that's how I that's how I learned to do the um, that's how I learned to do whatever this one's called. You know, this little thing. Oh, yeah, the Downs Palm. Yeah, and I remember watching that trailer, thinking, "Where does it come from?" And then one, it just clicked. Me, 12 years old, thinking I was a genius. Yeah, I was. I uh, should have just bought Bobos. But I didn't know what that was. Yeah. This is um, the way now. This is the way. Yeah. I think, I mean, look, it's, it's kind of interesting. And we, we've had a lot of conversations back and forth about, you know, the influence of the YouTube and the internet on magic. But like, if it wasn't for things like illusionist and watching trailers to influence us to think a certain way, like, do you think that that is, I mean, as a magic creator yourself now, you're like, do you think that it's like a good thing or a bad thing that magic is being put out there in, in a more, learning capacity now because we'll, yeah. we're sort of very much pro learning magic here's here's tournament. my here's my take i don't know if it's a hot take or any take at all but this is my take it's 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 it doesn't matter much what it depends it, i guess it certainly depends on what your audience is but if you're looking if you're coming from like my perspective where i'm doing shows for audiences public people the public you know going on date nights that kind of thing um very rarely do you have someone who has seen magic content online, they are always just trying to have a good night out. And they think, that, oh, that'd be fun. Mm. I haven't done that before. Mm. And they love it. And then you also get the people who are obsessed with magic who do watch the magic content. And they're interested in it in a different way. And so, you know, if you're if you're a creator who creates magic or you're worried about exposure or something like that, um, on a professional level, I find it to be very irrelevant. Uh, and for the amount of audience that it brings into the craft, it's probably helpful for even the people who are making content worried about exposure because half of their audience is probably magicians who are like trying to figure stuff out or just like magic. Um, so that's, that's my guess, but you know, when writing your shows, do you have that at the forefront of your mind? Are you in this mindset where it's like, I got to do something that's going to impress the magicians because I'm kind of anti that. Like even in my yeah. lecture, the first thing I say to people is like, don't worry about trying to impress magicians. They're not going to hire you. Screw yeah. them. I will say this. Wanting to impress magicians will push you to do different material than everyone else. So there's there's sort of like a feeling where if you know magicians are going to come to your show and you care about their opinions, you're going to want to do sh- do stuff that they can't. I don't know if you can curse on this, but you're going to want to do shit that they can't explain and that they haven't seen before a million times, you know, like, yeah. I think as well. um, What do you think, Kevin? I think magicians are the ones that are going to talk about your show and spread the word the most. If you do have stuff that is interesting to them, like how many of us have told all the magicians we know about Derek Delgadio's show? You know, yeah. for example. Straight up. I mean, I flew all the way from Oz to New York just to see it. Like, mm-hmm. just yeah. to see it, you know. And, and, and even um, Steve Cohen's Chamber of Magic in New York. 
the yeah. only reason I know about that show is from three different magicians in Australia who had traveled there and come back and said, it's the best magic show I'd ever seen. So on my 30th birthday, I flew there to see it. And that was from magicians telling me to see it. Yeah. Mm. So I, I make a point to share every magic show that comes in the area. If it, you know, if something's in a public theater in New Orleans and I'm aware of it, I'm trying to make everyone aware that it's here. You know, yeah. to give you know, whether That's I'm nice. going or not, I share the event to put the eyes on it. I would mm -hmm. hope other enthusiasts would do the same. Yeah, I think especially when you see something extraordinary and that you can't explain, it hits magicians way harder than it hits a lay audience. So, like, lay audience can't, they don't understand anything. If a magician doesn't understand it or it fools you, it's crazy. Um, yeah. And yeah. then you'd like, you got to see this. I've never seen anything before it in my life. Mm. Yeah. And what about um, you, we? You described your uh, Instagram success very interestingly earlier. <laughs> I was saying to Kevin, you know, because you guys know my struggle of of putting up videos and and slowly, you know, people are starting to watch it. But Kevin, how did you come to to get your whatever it's funny, it's sort social of a funny following? Story. Um, so I have around twenty k followers right now on Instagram, uh, and uh, I. And um, two months ago, I had uh, 3,000 followers or 3,500 followers. Wow. And I haven't posted in a month. I haven't posted in five weeks since my kid was born. Um, I've made like 10 videos or 11 videos, something like that. The reason I started making videos is because an agent, uh, an entertainment lawyer came to my show and said, you're insanely good. Do you, do you, you don't have representation. You need to be doing gigs that are humongous. I need to be, you need to be making like a million dollars a year. And I can help you with that. And I was like, huh? Uh, mm. clearly you're crazy. Um, but I love it. I love the support. And so he's like, let me get you in touch with an agent. And he, uh, he basically had, gave me a conversation with someone from, um, shoot. Now I can't even remember the agency, but it's like the biggest agency in Hollywood. People represent like David Blaine and stuff like that. So I have this conversation with this woman and she's like, so what's your social about? You know? And I was like, nothing. And I don't care about it. And she's like, okay, well, cool. So listen, social is everything. And yeah, I don't, it doesn't matter how good you are or how good your show is. Uh, if you don't have an audience that follows you around, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, I would say it's very unlikely. Um, but, you know, this guy says good things about you. So I think it's good. Then I started posting videos. The second video I posted got like, I don't know, 2 million views on TikTok and like maybe a million on Instagram. And I posted a few more videos kind of every week or even a few times a week. And then just the social media, you know, just caught the algorithm, I guess. Um, yeah. But the funny thing that you were, that I was mentioning before the show that you mentioned is just that I'm not sure of its worth. <laughs> I'm uncertain as to the, as to the turnover value of anything into, 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 into like money or gigs or business or tickets to the show or whatever, but it's a, it's a long road. It's got to help. I mean, it how do you market the show? Can't hurt. So that's a good question, Doug. We market the show almost exclusively through word of mouth and hundreds of dollars of Instagram a day. Um, Instagram ads, ads eh? Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, Facebook we have a really advertising department, uh, me. And, uh, mm -hmm. and we had some great uh, people film the show and, and take photos, but um, doesn't hurt that the venue's beautiful. And one of the, actually one thing that I do want to talk about is if anyone's looking to do a show 
like mine or, or like anyone's like Steve Cohen's or, or, you know, Dan White was doing it in New York. Um, I think you might be back doing it. Those are the direct inspirations for me doing this show. And the thing that for me was different and much like chamber magic, um, chamber magic isn't called Steve Cohen live, you know, Dan White, it's not Dan White show. It's not, it's, it's the magician at the nomad, you know? And so I was like, if I want to create an experience that can last, that people don't care about me. They don't. They want to see, they want to have an experience that blows them away, regardless of the magician. They could care less. In the real world, they could care less. And so if I take my ego out of that and to also take my name out of it, people buy it way more. doesn't matter who the illusionist is. You know, I've had my friends fill in for me. Uh, and so I can also have the illusionist presents my buddy David, who's incredible, and do his show. Um, and I think that's one of the key reasons that I was able to turn an idea into uh, 170 or so shows over two years, uh, selling out most of the most of the nights, because um, it's not about me. It w- it is afterwards, but before doesn't matter. Have you considered the notion that your strong social media efforts could replace? Uh, advertising, you know, you just post more videos on Instagram about your show, you have location tag it. Likely. And I could be wrong, but I think that's not likely because I think the audience that Instagram feed and the social media TikTok feed my videos to are a completely different audience than the audience that buys tickets to live events. Okay. Okay. That's my, that's my thing. Right. Like, I think that these people who they're set, it's like every magician and person who plays poker and likes right. gambling in the world versus, you know, 22 to 40 to like 60 year old people who want you to know, it, might not, it might be worth experimenting using some hashtags and trying to niche down through location and even putting live theater and such in the hashtags for you know yeah i mean there's no doubt that i could probably do a video in the theater and use mm-hmm. it as the ad for the show um but uh but, but yeah the targeted placed advertisements you have the faith in still yeah 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 and i'll tell you the i love that I, actually i love i love hearing that yeah I mean, I'll tell you the reason why we I haven't felt the need to experiment with that kind of thing is because our marketing is working. Mm-hmm. And so there's not really a lot of incentive for me to like try to do other things. Well, number one, you said is word of mouth. You do a good show, people talk about it. And if you start there, and that's what you said first, and that's probably yeah. solving any problem that might have existed. Yeah. So. But there's no doubt that impressions matter for ads. And when people see it a few times, they buy tickets more often. Mm, Even okay. if they see the ad and yeah. the friend says it, they're like, oh, I've heard about that. I should go. Mm, um, right, so having yeah. a double sort of like you know, hitting at you at multiple angles is definitely helpful. Yeah, right. And you're advertising on TikTok as well? Mm-hmm. Interesting. I feel like we should cool. take this to our gig story segment. We do, it, yeah, we do a segment, Kevin, where we just reminisce and talk about a, a crazy moment that happened at a show or a gig or, you know, anything that sort of comes to mind related to shows or, or um, you know, hecklers or... <laughs> funny incidents or mishaps. Uh, so let me find that stinger. Let's go with some geek stories right now. So geek stories is obviously the part of the show where we like to talk about moments of magic, whether it be through the groceries or doing our very own gigs. And we want to share them with our audience for posterity. Let's start with today's guest. Kevin, any cool geek stories or any fun moments that might have happened in your amazing the show there stories. in San Francisco? Um, uh, 
Let's see. I mean, I'm, I, I'll tell you this. I'll start with this. You know, I'm one of the lucky few who got stabbed with a nail. Oh, my. Oh, no. I'm in good company good with David Blaine and, and Darren Brown. There's a little tiny scar there. Yeah, tell awesome. that story. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, it, was one of my, it was my second ever show. Oh. You know, I started doing live shows in college. I did one show at the end. When I senior year, I was like, I want to be Darren Brown. I'm going to do a live show. I'm going to be like him. And so I do a show in a theater, and it went great because my entire swim team was there, all of their friends. It was like the happiest, most supportive crowd of all time. I could I could have sucked, and I did, and they loved it. They 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 were blown away, and they were laughing at every line, even if it was stupid and not funny. It was the easiest intro in magic ever, and it also gave me. Uh, it was also very bad for me because it. I, it the next show was completely different. <laughs> you know different crowd um same me unfortunately but that show i was just drastically underprepared in like every way and i was also super novice in magic so i didn't really know methods and things like that i was just like coming up with them on my own and so how did i do it oh yeah i was using a i was using a signal i was my friend brian was supposed to signal me oh no so you made up your own method for the stab effect yeah, I mean, make up a method. I have my friend Brian signal me from the back. Yeah. You know, he's like sitting like this. Yeah. Or he's oh. sitting like this. Or he's like oh, sitting like man. this. Yeah. And so Brian, um, may he rest in peace. His friendship <laughs> died that day. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, he, I told him, I was told him, Brian, extremely important. Show up on time, sit in the front. Because if you've done a show before, you know, can't see past the first front two rows. The lights are too bright. You can't see, can't see shit past the first two front row, two rows. So uh, he's got the, I know he's got this down because we practiced a bunch of times. And, and so uh, what does Brian do? Brian shows a blade, gets high in the parking lot, sits in the back. So I'm, we're getting to that part of the show. The show has already like drastically gone off the rails in multiple ways. And Brian, I think I see Brian in the back like this. It was someone else, um, and and there's I had five cups and I had gotten down to the last two, and so I get just by pure luck, <laughs> and I get I hit the last one and luckily it just you know it went through halfway through the the thumb it sort of fell over, uh, and luckily it wasn't in like a block of wood I had literally like like shoved a nail through a piece of cardboard shaped in a circle, uh, I was that amateur. Yeah, and so it just bent straight over. Went halfway through. I got a tetanus shot. My hand is a little bruised for a few days, but luckily it didn't go any worse than that. Did you ever uh, do it again? Yeah, multiple, Fant- multiple times. Fantastic. Really, a better method. With is it in method. the show still? With a method? No, it wasn't. <laughs> it was in the. It was in a few few shows of the first season, but then the show was too long, so we cut it. Can you can you imagine if it you had done it success, successfully? hadn't stabbed yourself and then you found out that he n- never actually turned up and he's like sorry man i couldn't make it to your show and then you're like how did i but there's just <laughs> there's a moment because i wasn't sure i remember not being sure if if it was the if it was the right one i was like i don't know if that's brian or not but i had to do it anyway there's, and there's a point that every magician if you've done stage performance uh when you're when the lights are on you and you got 100 people looking at you you have to do something you you have to you have to what are you gonna do? And so you got to take a risk. You got to guess or you got to figure it out. I mean, a few months ago, something went wrong 
methodologically in my live show for like a few minutes and our backstage team is scrambling to like fix it uh i'm very lucky in that i have like a a backstage team who can help with the show that allows us to do a production quality that's like extremely high compared to most magic shows because you can just do methods that you know types of methods that like the, the the super pros are doing um and uh anyway they're scrambling and i'm sitting there like if they don't fix this i'm gonna be absolutely screwed i've set this trick up for the past like 15 minutes um anyway it got fixed but it's just those moments where you're like well all of a sudden we're off we're off the rails now and we got to figure out where how we're going to get back on and we may not um anyway what does your team consist of for a show like that you have a couple of folks I think we still got our geek stories rolling on here. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'll answer that question after the other geek stories. All right. But I must say that's got to be like one of the best geek stories I think we've heard <laughs> so far. That's yeah. pretty darn good. Um, I'll make mine quick. So in Brisbane, we've just launched um, a show, a weekly show called the Brisbane Theatre of Magic. Congratulations. And awesome. Thank you. L- last week, and, and uh, it's a heritage building, really beautiful. It's in a cinema theatre. But the room itself is not a cinema. It's it's uh, like a, it's almost like a parlor room. Like so, it seats mm-hmm. 30, 36 people. It's in like a semicircle um, seating setup, and there's like really old school um, posters and paintings of old actors and stuff. It's really nicely uh, set up. But last week we had our launch and we had our media night where a publicist um, organized for all these. Um, uh, influence like influential people of our city to come and see the show but what we didn't realize is um like the demographic that would be turning up in terms of like the age so we had said like family friendly because we had talked about like maybe ages 12 and up and this is something i'd love to talk to kevin about as well but um because obviously teenagers um kids love magic but you know we want to still keep it a nice night for date night you know, audiences and stuff. So we are backstage and um, one of our, so there's three of us doing this. So one magician is um, playing host and welcoming everyone in and me and uh, my friend Chris, we're in the back room and uh, we are in our heads prepared to do a show for adults, like all adults. And um, then all of a sudden we see the door open and a pram gets wheeled in and the magician's like, I just got to store this here by the way, get ready for a kid's show. And uh, we're like, what? And we peek out and it's, it's um, every adult has brought like two or three kids with them. And so it still had the vibe we wanted, but it was just like more child heavy. So the show, like it was a really fun experience and, and everyone has like, you know, posted videos on the, and talked about the show and, and it's all good. But for that moment, Chris and I looked out yeah. and we're like, oh, okay. All right, I'm going to change this material. I'm going to change this. We're going to do this. Okay, fine. Um, and then the, the the last thing that, what was I going to say? So that happened. And then um, one thing we didn't think about is like, are we doing any similar methods to one another? Because what happens is there's a close-up show for 30 minutes. There's an interval. And then there's a stand-up parlor show for 45 minutes. So there's two different performers. And um, right before Chris goes out to do close-up, he mentions um, uh, the DF, 
DFB app. You don't have to say it this time, Doug, but we all know what we're talking about, <laughs> right? The DFB app, right? Uh, Doug knows what it is, right? Okay, so... I thought I just I was wasn't surprised. supposed to talk about toxic. You really okay. made me want to just say the word, say the name when you do that over and over. Yeah. I, just really, I just really had to suppress the urge to just name it. <laughs> well, Doug's anyway, already said right. it a million times before, but, but uh, I thought I'd try and control some of them. So I hear him mention that. Now, I also was going to use that right for part of my act so now he goes out there and i'm like oh okay i've got 30 minutes to come up with a different method for like a wild choice of selections um <laughs> so then i'm sitting while he's doing the show i'm sitting back here writing on you know 52 blank cards now <laughs> and um and then the method we pulled i pulled it off and, and it was fine but um i would suggest two, anyone uh, using that dfb should consider a sphing galley pad and keep it in your bag just cause, you know, mm. it's a good alternative. Maybe your yeah. phone battery dies. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a, that's a good idea. Um, knowing that, and yeah, so in my head, I'm like about, you know, thinking about my set and then I just hear and mention it. So like you can imagine you're just with whatever stuff you had brought to do the show. <laughs> so I'm just sitting there going, oh no. On but, press but, night. On press night, yes, yes. So I kicked the stroller out of the way and I got to thinking and I'm like, all right, I'm going <laughs> to get this double blank deck and I'm going to turn it into an index, uh, you know, index deck. I can't believe you and, had a uh, double blank deck in your in your bag. That's luck. Well, that is luck. Yes, yes. So, yeah, that was my experience last week. It all went well and, you know, there's there's some pretty fun things coming up with um, promoting of, of the show and stuff. But, yeah, that was a wild opening night that I'll uh, I'll never forget. Nick, over to you, my friend. <laughs> um, I'm reminded of a, of a story when you were talking about like getting finding good help when you're doing a show. And the best help I ever had was my friend uh, Dave Donald. And his nickname was Pitley or Pit. Um, and it's just one of those Cockney slang type things where like a cat took a shit in his bedroom and it smelled like the shit pit. And then it became like shit pit. And then became Pitt, and then it became Brad Pitt, and then it became Bradley, and it was just one of these long things. So then in the end, he became Mr. Pitley, and he just quit his job. He was miserable. He quit his job. So he was unemployed. And I was like, "Do you need to make a few bucks?" And he was like, "Yeah." And I go, "Cool. Um, come be my stagehand in my show. Do my lighting and sound. I've programmed everything because I have an audio and lighting background." I was like, "You just got to do this stuff. We'll rehearse it. You'll be fine." Um, he was like, "Cool. Can I wear a tux?" I'm like. You can wear a tux. And he's like, can I? And he's like, yes. So he got so into it that he looked like a homeless person that I dressed up to be part of my show. And I gave him white gloves and everything. And he was so great, right? That And, and the, the thing came, like, he would come out and, like, announce me. But he had this beard. And he just, he just looked and smelled like a homeless person. And I thought, this is fantastic, right? So Mr. Pitley, and that was the joke. And I was like, so he gets up, works in my show. And at the end, I give him a sandwich. Um, for working in my show was the joke. And even like I had like a, a confab at the end in a box and I would give him this sandwich. But this guy was such a hit because every show I get him a six pack and he would just sit there pounding a six pack while doing the tech for my show. And I would make jokes and stuff and he would just burst out laughing from the back of the room. And he was just such a mess. That, that. Like, for the next three years I was doing this festival, everyone was asking, where's Mr. Pitley? So it's so great that when you have an opportunity to do that. So one of the things I like to do, uh, especially when I'm doing corporates, uh, I'll get up on stage, say my thing, and then go, oh, and please, uh, a round of applause for my tech in the back. His name is uh, Gavin. Everyone get up for Gavin. I go, 
Gavin's just a little nervous. He's going to miss some of my audio cues. I said, don't worry about it, mate. Everyone here is super lovely. If you make any mistakes, I'm sure they'll forgive you. So like everyone make him feel welcome. You okay? And then he'll miss a cue and I'll go, it's okay. Look, it's his first time. Leave Gavin alone. You know what I mean? And I make it part of the show. So yeah. I just thought not only is it a good story, maybe a little pro tip along the way as well. So um, Mr. Pitley, we miss you. Come back and do a show. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and Doug. What what uh, watermelon stories do you have for us? You know, I don't, I don't know. Do I talk about my gigs these days? What am I talking about doing magic on TikTok? Mm. So that's what I did for performing this week. I could t- I could say this though when 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 Kevin was talking about doing the virtual shows and getting the reps in, if you have an outlet to do live magic on social media, I would suggest that you could use this as your rehearsal time. You know, like there's different reasons to do magic for social media. But if you put yourself in the frame of mind that I'm going to present myself in at least a somewhat professional manner in front of an audience, now you're rehearsing your material, at least, and getting these reps in that we talked about earlier. So this is a good reason to do magic on TikTok or any social media platform you can get yourself onto, even if it's Omegle or Facebook Live or whatever it is. And so, yeah, that's where I performed this week. And that was one of the reasons why I'm like, I got a few tricks. I got to, you know, get some time in, put some reps into. And uh, yeah, there's my gig story. Heck yeah. Love that. Kevin, do you happen to have a piece of magic you wanted to share with the viewers today? I got a piece of magic I can share. You want to see? He He doesn't want to, but he can. That's what we like to hear. I'll show you something if you want. (laughs) We 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 would love that. I'll show you something for my for my virtual show. How about that? Cool, please. Okay. Um, <laughs> I uh, okay. I'll show you something. Three rules, though. Rule number one. Well, it's sort of a pick a card trick. You guys like pick a card tricks? Love it. And Nick, I don't oh. actually know if you see you saw this one because I, I don't think this was in my virtual show at that time, or it might have been. Um, so maybe Doug, you can help me out. I'm going to have you pick a card. All right. There's. Doug, are you a skeptic or a believer? You yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I'm both, kind of. But let's both. go with skeptic. I'll be the skeptic here. Be a skeptic. Skeptic. We'll see if we can turn you into a believer, Doug. All right. Um, I'm a skeptic, too. I think it's because I'm a magician, you know? Yeah, right. Um, all right. Here's the rule. Rule number one, you can have any... Well, let me just make sure my camera works. Oh, yeah, it does. Okay. Um, you can have any trick in the... Any card in the deck, Doug. Yeah. Four diamonds. Except for the oh. Ace of Hearts. Oh, okay. Cannot have the Ace of Hearts. That's my favorite card. You can have any other card with the Ace of Hearts. Yeah. Okay. With the, oh. uh, rule number two, Doug. Oh, yeah. Uh, anything you say goes. You want me to shuffle? I'll shuffle. You want me to cut? I'll cut. You want me to start over? We'll start over. Okay. All and right. rule number three, Doug. If this still works, you're a believer. Doug, you ready? Okay, I'm in. You ready? Okay. I'm ready. Rule number one, Doug, or at least step number one. I'd like you to name a card. Pick any card in the deck. Any card except for the um, the Ace of Hearts. Any card. What card would you like? Six of Clubs. I thought you said King of Diamonds. Well, I'm saying Six of Clubs. Any card except for the Ace of Hearts. Six, of, six clubs? of Clubs. Oh, six of Clubs. Okay, how many shuffles should I do with the deck here, Doug? Three. Three. Now, I know how to do a pretty good shuffle here. Check this out. Boom. There's one shuffle. Doug, you like that or no? Yeah. It's okay. Oh, you want me to do a real shuffle? Okay. Earlier, I was doing a fake shuffle. <laughs> you don't you say. See, you want to see the real shuffle, Doug? You're a skeptic, but is this a real shuffle or? That's the real deal. That's a real deal. Okay. How many shuffles do you say? Three. Three. Okay. Three. There's one. 
Here's number two. Real shuffle here. A little yep. bit of a bottom block. You probably didn't like that. And uh, three. Maybe I'll do one of these ones. Boom. Third shuffle. Okay, Doug, are you happy? That's fair. Or at least satisfied? Both of those. So, okay. Do you want me to cut the deck or you're, yep, you're I do. satisfied? Cut the deck? All, always. Cut okay, the deck. where should I cut it? Thin to win. There. Thin, thin to win? Is that you said thin, thin yep. cut? Mm -hmm. Okay. Bottom goes on top. Okay. <sighs> Step number three, Doug. Name any number between one and 52. And whatever number you name, Doug, that will be where your six of clubs is. Six. Six. Are you sure? Positive. Okay, make sure I count this right. One, two, three, four, five. Is that the sixth card there, Doug? Yep. Doug, instead of six, do you want seven? Nope. Instead of six, you want number five? Yes. You want five, okay. <laughs> instead of five, you want 52? I'm content with the fifth card. Fifth card. Doug, you could have said any number. You said number five. Well, you said six, but then you said number five. Could have said any card. You said the six of clubs, right? I, yeah, How correct. do you knew, Doug, that a number five was one card, not just any card, but your card? Oh. Oh. I have no idea. But the crazy thing, Doug, is not just that that's the six of clubs, <laughs> but that you were so close to my favorite card, number six. See, that's my favorite card. The what? <laughs> but the very strange thing is, Doug, uh, the very strange thing about this deck, really, is that number four and and seven and, wow. and one. The very strange thing what about this deck is it's sort of filled with my favorite card, Doug, the Ace of Hearts. That's why it's my favorite deck. Woo! Wow. Tell me now, Doug. Are you a believer now? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Everyone in the in the chat uh, is just going crazy the right now. The chat is fire now. Oh. <laughs> Doug, what I'll, just I'll, happened? I'll see the 20 bucks for choosing that six of clubs, man. <laughs> man after. Yeah. Wow. Dylan says, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. David says, mind blown. There's lots <laughs> of clap emojis. John says, fantastic. Thanks, Bro, I've never, been, I've never been so hooked and invested in a card trick when, when you're like, do you want the fifth one or the sixth one or the 52nd one? It made absolutely no sense that it was so clean after I switched. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What the hell just happened? I'm so happy oh I switched, and then I'm even happier. It was so clean. Uh, so clean. If, you, if you're so listening to clean, this, clean. If you're listening to this on Spotify, go and watch this on YouTube. Yeah, at, go watch yeah, it on YouTube. YouTube. Uh, it Ridiculous. was a pure miracle, uh, unfathomable uh, piece of magic, uh, only to be seen on video, not a radio trick. Yeah, that uh, maybe that that's... was a great trick. Wow. Without going into it, is that something you developed for your virtual show? Uh, like, yeah. Like you made for the show or you were doing yeah, made for the show. capacity? Um, made for the show, yes. And uh, something that is, uh, yeah, just had a nice structure and it's, you know, it's just another any card, any number trick. But, um, but yeah, something that I could do over and over with no assistance and with no, you know, no special, you know, whatever. Um, no crazy, absurd sleight of hand, you know, all, all sorts of stuff that I wanted to to have to make sure that it was actually every time. <sighs> God damn. It's funny, when I, when I was in school, I used to crack Paul Harris books. Dylan, Dylan Young's watching Magic Live on the internet in school. I love that. <laughs> this, is a, this is a lecture. We can call that. 
Man, that was so good. <laughs> Curious, do you do any virtual work these days? Is there any call for that in your universe still? Yeah, you know, I do. I do maybe like one every week or two. Oh, okay. Um, and I, I, I was lucky, very lucky, extremely lucky. But I was in. I was sort of like um, there are all these startups that were virtual events companies that were trying mm. to basically mm. build a virtual event platform, right? Or magicians. Maybe you guys joined them. Yeah, I joined one. I joined two of them in the United States. Probably different platforms, different places. But I joined two of them in the United States extremely early on. And then just by luck and because my my show was was pretty good, just very quickly became like their best um, selling event or one of their best selling events. And that just is like success breeds success kind of thing. Yep. So then I got so much business. And the crazy thing is I wasn't doing any sales. You know, it's like they were they have they were getting startup capital from VC companies to create a, and then hire a sales team to sell my business. And I was getting money. It was crazy. So, and so now you can just focus on the product. That's such a win. It was. Mm. I mean, it was the craziest win of all time. You know, I, you, I'm, I'm a Zoom success story, like you hear. Like maybe you got a few guys. You guys were too, but like it was just un, unfathomable, sort of like business. Um, wow. And mostly because, you know, I was like the startup. You know, the startup capital were paying for a sales team to sell my product. It was ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like they put like millions of dollars into these companies to try and build a sales team to sell virtual events. All of that money went, you know, it was lost, but a bunch of it went to me and other people like me, which was so crazy. Uh, yeah. But rightfully so. That's the way business is sometimes, you know, sometimes people with a lot, lot of money invest in things that don't make money back. Yeah. That, and, yeah. and now that explains the uh, being able to buy five Sony cameras for your five Virtual cameras show. yeah i mean well you know the cameras are like a couple hundred bucks each but um yeah i mean there was three days in in december 2020 when i did 10 shows a day for like wow. businesses there are 30 shows in three days for businesses getting like regular wow. corporate rates that you get is insane yeah yeah it is insane is it man still corporate work then for the virtual yeah it was all corporate work um, and still, it's like you do a show a week, it's still corporate, I guess. You're doing a Yeah, company. it's just a few more this month because it's like October and some people want to do like an October happy hour, you know, yeah. but um, yeah, not not that nice. many. And what about your, your performing schedule at the moment? Are you just focusing on the live shows or are you doing corporate events as well? Yeah, I do corporate events too. Basically, I do my shows Wednesday through Saturday unless the venue has like a private event, like a business has booked it out for like a holiday party or something or a wedding or something like that. Basically, if they can make more money doing that than they do my show, then they do that. And it's the Great. same thing for me. If I get booked at a corporate event that makes me more money than my live show with advance, you know, like a month or two out, then I just we just cancel the live show or find a, a substitute and I do that. But I don't do, you know, I got friends who like are on the corporate market like you guys, Nick and Josh. Um, Doug, you, sa you said you don't do too much of that right now, but... Um, Gigs. <laughs> Who needs yeah, them? Doug does a lot of lecturing. He get he he travels around to magic. Look, I did gigs for thirty years, right? Yeah, so I'm just okay. kind of done doing gigs. These I'm like ready it. to do something that's not a gig. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't love gigs to be honest because it's uh, I'm spoiled with my live show. It's so easy mm. to walk down to the theater and my Look. show's set up by my backstage team, and I walk and I go there like an hour before, and I'm back at nine thirty. And Can you answer my question now that you're talking about your team. Oh, sure. Yes. 
Um, so I have a backstage team. I basically have like three people who are trained up to do the show. And, you know, that's, um, that's like backstage team. And then we have like a lighting technician and a few lighting technicians who run the venue, who, who work for the venue, who, who know the show. So they have coverage. Um, when, when we're doing like a bunch of shows every week, we have to get coverage because if someone's sick, we need to get there and to get someone else to do it. Uh, or if they just can't do it for whatever reason. Do you have so, lighting, yeah. lighting tech during the show? Do you have sound guy? Lighting tech during the show. The technician runs the lighting and the sound. Yeah. Um, and it's like a full-on theater thing. It's like, you know, we got we have like three people running concierge. And do you three. use video elements? We do. I had to. I have a. I have a. We do a live camera um, for just one, just two, two acts of the show. There's one card act in the middle of the show uh, that I do now. That's like a. It's basically um, Leonard Green's shuffle sequence into a into a poker hand into poker deal straight mm -hmm. off of his DVD, and then uh, uh, one of his DVDs, and then it go and then I do a dice stacking routine um, on the camera, and then at the end of the show I'd have something else on camera that's very special. But um, I'm always curious how people put camera work onto video in a theater. Can you talk about that for a second? You know, our th the the only reason I'm doing all this stuff is because the venue. Is it supplies it? They didn't supply okay. the camera, but they have a humongous screen that's like the size of the whole stage that comes down. It's probably so, an old movie house, right? That's probably what it is. It was an old movie house, and that's why they they built it all new. But that's why they wanted to do that because they wanted to show movies in the venue. Maybe for some reason they were like, "Sure, we can get a screen." So the screen is literally the size of the of the proscenium, and uh, and so it just allows me to do some cool yeah. stuff that I most wouldn't. And also. Ninety minutes. It's nice to have texture. Yeah. Yeah. Do you so. use that screen um, pre-show? Um, like no. before the show starts. Cur curtains closed. Yeah. Mm. Gotcha. 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 Sense. We. Yeah. I'll, I'll talk about it off air. <laughs> anyway. Um, and Nick. To, do you want to tease everyone about the uh, the review you have out at the moment? Absolutely. Now, just for the sake of time, friends, we won't jump into a full review of uh, this week's product, but I will make mention that if you want to see the full review, you can see it on the YouTube channel, which will be in the links of this uh, YouTube uh, video. Um, and the product we're looking at is Glance by Steve Thompson. It is a really, really good, smart, affordable book test using a magazine with a few different cool methods and ultimately have a look at that review. You'll learn everything you need to know. And it's at a price point in which if you ever thought book tests are a bit expensive, the cool thing about this one for the price point, you get two magazines and you can achieve some really, really organic, awesome looking book test material using just those. And I, I think it's absolutely amazing for, for the price, but do yourself a favor, watch the full, um, it's funny. It's actually quite funny. I put jokes in there, but yeah, go and watch the review. I promise you, you're going to, you're not going to be disappointed. And of course, nice. when you want to purchase it, make sure that, you know, thanks to obviously Piper Magic, who sponsor our channel, um, make sure that you, when it comes time to purchase, that you do use discount code PiperGuys for any magic purchase that you need. It helps support us and supports our good friend um, who I'm trying to beg to do another awesome magic convention. It would be great if uh, Kevin came to that one as well, don't you think? But yes. um, yeah. <laughs> Maybe teaching us how we did that amazing card trick. That would be phenomenal. It was so, so good. Yeah. Is that, so is that time. this made all 153 episodes worth it? <laughs> <That card laughs> yeah. Trick. Yeah. How many episodes <laughs> have we done? That was the best card trick. 
Yeah, 141 yeah. it took to get that 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 piece of wonder on screen. Yeah. Is is releasing magic something you've thought about, Kevin? Got nothing I want to release. You know, I just am not. I'm not. I figure I'm a I'm a curator, not a creator. Um, so sure. I, uh, yeah, I'll take stuff and and hopefully make it different or better, but not a creator. Sorry if it's me. If it's if my internet's choppy, I'm not sure, but. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. Okay. Are you, um, and uh, are you planning to go, are you a Magic Live attendee? Are you, is that something you're looking to do next year? Uh, I went, I went uh, two years ago. I'd like to go again, but mm-hmm. I just had, I had some gigs, I think, last year, so I, I couldn't make it, but I think I, I'd like to, I for sure like to go next time. Yeah, yeah, we're all planning to be there next year. So hopefully uh, our, our paths can align and yeah. we can, uh, we can do a chat in person. Love that. It'd be great to have some more friendly faces in the audience. I don't. I only have a few magician friends now. I have three more, but I, uh, you know, I only have a few. So it's nice to get into the into the industry a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And are you still um, doing writing as well for um, for anyone, or is that just something you obtain no, to yourself? No, I used now? to be a copywriter before I went full time magic, um, working in advertising, uh, writing a book. It's not. It's a it's a fictional book. But tell us, tell us more. That'll be ready in a, with the current amount of progress per year, it'll be ready in about 10 years. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious if you intend to do more social media work because the stuff I looked at today was exce- exceptional and you're obviously good at it. Do you have an interest in following that at all? Yeah, I do. I, I stopped because of the kid, kid was yeah. born. Um, but I do plan on doing that more. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if I can get it up to a good number, then like, there's no downside. Uh, yeah, the perceived yeah. values that, that whatever that lady said, I think is true. You know, yeah. you raise your rates. I mean, you're worth more. Yeah. One video popped a million views. I mean, you can't you can't it's ignore true. that, right? I can see like, why. I mean, I watch your stuff today, and you know why? Who's that video? That's Leonard Greed's material. No, that's, it's not that at all. It the tricks don't matter. Is is Leonard? Is Leonard? He's the he's the he's the he is the legend. How many okay. times did you perform that Leonard Green routine before putting it on video? I did it in my show for a few months. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's what matters. And there's a little, there's a little Ben Earl touch in there too. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, it's a little uh, bit worked. Yeah. But yeah, the, no, the, the virtual, the, 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 the social stuff is, is really fun. And Doug, you're right. I think just folk forcing yourself to practice and, and like do a trick is a lot, is a lot more than you expect it to be. Um, mm. You know, I think a lot of us, me in person, personally, I just don't have a lot of material. And so just forcing myself to like learn a new trick, like I haven't done misled before. I mean, I did it, you know, uh, two decades ago, but um, practicing it so that you could do it is yeah. just a whole different thing. Like what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to learn more material. You're going to like be influenced yeah. by a few more slides. You're going to learn a new yeah. trick. Like what, there's nothing bad that can come from You write it. a fun story. You learn, you learn what it takes to memorize a script. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, there's nothing nothing bad about it if you if you got if you got the time for it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and look, speaking of time, we've kind of hit the one hour mark, which we can chat to the cows come home, and you know, hopefully, when we're opposite each other one day over a cup of tea or maybe even a martini, um, and my lights have died. Um, <laughs> yeah, it'll be a great chance. So I think it's probably about time we wrap things up. We can continue conversation outside of the podcast. But Kevin, would you be kind enough to take us home with the final word? You rock. 
Thanks for listening. Sorry, sorry. Hang on. Before we before we go off the live, was that was that the final word? I was about to rock. Yeah. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> Thanks for listening. It's time for us to disappear now. Disappear now. But we'll see you again on the next episode of the Magic Guys. 